What's up, everyone? Welcome to Making the Shift. Where we listen to autistic voices, explore new therapy ideas, and share neurodiversity-affirming methods and strengths-based approaches to support autistic kids. Because we're not here to try and, quote, fix kids. We are here to love them, embrace them, and celebrate them for who they are. I'm Jesse Ginsberg, sensory integration trained SLP, founder of a top-rated speech therapy clinic in Los Angeles, and creator of the Inside Out Sensory Certificate for SLPs. And I'm Chris Winger, also known as Speech Dude, high school SLP and creator of the Dynamic Assessment for Social-Emotional Learning. Are you ready to make the shift? Let's do it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 10, Diaz, of Making the Shift. Already here. We made I can't it to 10, it. and we're both matching. We're in white. I didn't even realize that. Look at right that. Now. These are summer vibes right here. And speaking of that, I think today is summer solstice, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. Oh, so that's a fun fact. I, I think so. Um, and today is Tucker's birthday, our four-year-old, now four. We have a birthday celebration at the house. And, That's right. Um, and, you know, we always talk about all things sensory related. So my senses are going to be extra heightened today at the house because I'm going to be eating all of the kids' cupcakes. And it's going to be a lot of fun. That's what I was going to say. More like sugar rush <laughs> of a night. We, I feel like we've been trying to not make as many cookies and stuff at night because we were on this kick where it was like every night we were getting that ready to eat cookie dough, baking it, eating with ice cream. We've been so good. I have been really focusing on not overdoing it. <laughs> That's right? true. You've been doing a good job too. Well, I you know, say. I think that the uh, there's a couple ideas on that, but it is summertime. And <laughs> thinking of, about it being summertime, we are far too close to July and that is not good. I'm like, stay away July. I do not need you in my life. It's like, that's how quick summer has been. Oh, it's because nuts. you're afraid it's going to be over before it starts? Well, we go back the first week of August. So it's like July's almost here. And then, the you know, it's kind of scary, you know? <laughs> and then some of us, God forbid, are working every single day through the whole summer. Yeah, some of us. I am, <laughs> I am working every single day, too. On your tan. <laughs> that's right. That is right. So today is a fun day because we decided that we were going to talk about this analogy that I use and have been using for a long time in my practice. And this is something that I will speak about often at conferences, but I've never really gone on like social media or anything to describe it. But it's an analogy that I wrote this ASHA article on a few years back. And it was one of those things where I felt so strongly about this opinion I had, but it wasn't a widely known thing. You know, you have to realize, think about at all, social media and how much it's it's so common to go on and see like neurodiversity affirming, child-led therapy. And now with social media, it's something that's talked about all the time. But even a few years ago, that wasn't necessarily the case. Like people weren't on Instagram, creating Canva graphics and throwing that up there, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's kind of evolved so yeah. much. Yeah. So now there's so much more information out there. So this was just a few years ago, but it was a time when 
you couldn't just Google, you know, therapy for autistic kids and get articles like this. So I wrote this article. I had written for ASHA before. You, When you write for them, they have your email address at the bottom of the article. So I'd written for them before. I'd never gotten any, not one single email. And I wrote this article. And right when it was published, emails just started pouring in. That's awesome. It was crazy because I was like, I didn't know this, like people actually email you, but it was people saying, where can I get more resources? I want more information on this. Do you have any trainings you can recommend? And it was just so hard because I, I did not have places I could point people to, you know, now I know there are a lot more resources available, but Here's the analogy for you guys. I don't have a visual for you right now, but I will draw it with my finger. How's that? Visualize it. Yeah. Describe do you feel it. like you hear these better or do you think seeing it is better for you? I need both. <laughs> I think that might be true. And your full attention. I need, things. I need to be able to build this thing and <laughs> see it and hear it. I need all three for me to get it. We need, we're, we're next episode, we're going to get the wood. We're going to actually build the staircase. That's right. And get your experiential learning. Is that what it's called? It dynamic. Is. Yeah, yeah. Differentiated instruction. There we go. So this is an analogy that I call the language staircase, not because I called it, named it that, but because I wrote this article and then Asha named it that. So that's how it came to be. But it's the idea that, well, I'll tell you how this came about was that, and you have not experienced this because you have not, well, I guess you've worked in private practices, but probably never with like tiny little kids. So I would have the same thing happen to me over and over in my practice. And that was, I would have families come in and I would always hear the same thing. These would be kids with either a recent autism diagnosis or would get an autism diagnosis. And parents would say, I don't get it. You know, he has words. He just doesn't use them. He knows I'm mom. He knows that is the dog. He knows that is his juice. So why does he use them sometimes, but not always? So I started drawing this analogy and I started drawing this so much because I feel like it was one of those things where parents, it really helped them to actually see it. I hadn't yet gotten the lumber to create the whole staircase myself and build That's it. That's right. That's right. You're still out seeking the lumber. <laughs> I don't know. Prices are up on lumber. That might be a project we put on. It's be an expensive well, staircase. <laughs> So it was this idea that I would draw for parents of this language staircase. And I would say, you know, picture the bottom level of this staircase is regulation and engagement. And then I would describe to them what it meant to be regulated, you know, attentive and all of that. And then the middle steps, we can say our basic language. And then the top steps are those higher level language and cognitive skills. And I always would draw the banister of the staircase and say that that is intrinsic motivation. The banister represents intrinsic motivation. And if you caught last week's show, we talked all about that. If you didn't, make sure you go back and listen. But we know that the safest way to get to the top of a staircase is by holding onto the banister. 
you know, we know that we could get kids to come into our sessions and we could do language activities, but the way that they're going to learn the most is going to be if they're intrinsically motivated to do that. So I would say to the parents, you know, where do you think we need to support your child? You know, how do you feel his regulation is? Do you feel like he's attending to these activities? Do you feel like he's engaged with you? Is he interacting? And it would be this light bulb moment for them because they would realize that we are still need to put so much focus into those bottom steps. And, you know, what we see so often in our practice, I think, is that even when kids have really inconsistent regulation and engagement, and maybe they're only using external rewards as motivators, you can still target language, but that's when we get into the pattern of, I want ball, I want juice, I want color. I don't know. Right? Right, right. No, absolutely. And I feel like that is that was such a thing, especially with working with younger kids, was targeting things like I want. But what I was finding was that I did not have to target I want because if I was targeting engagement, regulation, and motivation, that came naturally. I know. What do you think about that? Like, don't you think that's so true? It was like a fad almost to target I want. Did you ever do that or your kids weren't I think that's enough? just like something that becomes part of the practice by nature of it in the past is, yeah, I mean, you just kind of work on those things. But I agree. You, If you have that engagement and regulation and motivation, then the intrinsic motivation specifically, mm -hmm. then yeah, then you're able to get so much more out of it. And I would tell parents, I would say, I don't want him to say, I want shoes. I don't want him to say, I want outside. I want him to say, if it's not raining today, we should go to the park. That would be awesome. Let's go find my shoes, right? That is the kind of language we're looking for. And when we are just completely ignoring when a kid's dysregulated and just trying to like power through the session, and when we are not paying attention to what the kids' interests are and getting them engaged, then all we're going to get is that to that middle step of the staircase. We're going to kind of navigate around this bottom, even though maybe they're missing a couple stairs at the bottom. They might be able to get up there and get some basic language. But the only way to build a stable staircase is by making sure the foundation is stable. Yeah, you definitely want to do that. I, I agree. Yeah. And it's like one of those things. Oh, my gosh. You know what that makes me think of? I don't know if you've read it. The book called The One Thing. I've skimmed through it. We talked about that in the past. Yeah, because it's this book where it's a, it's a business book. But the main question they ask is, what is the one thing you have to do? Like if you look at your whole to-do list of everything you want to do, what is the one thing you can do that will make everything else easier or unnecessary? Isn't that good? That is good. That one thing to eliminate everything else. Yeah. So when I was starting my practice, I remember writing out all the list of things, things I wanted to do. I want to create a blog. I want to create a, a newsletter to send to pediatricians. I wanted to create... Um, articles to post. I don't know. It's been, I wanted to create trainings for teachers. I had this whole list of things and this was, you know, 10 years ago. 
But I still remember reading that book, looking at my list and going, what is the one thing I need to do to make all this easier, unnecessary? I need to write. I need to sit down and I need to write because if I write an article, I can use that article on my blog. I can use it on the newsletter. I can use it when I train teachers. So that was like, a, whatever, that was how that came to be for me. But this is that same concept. It's what is the one thing you need to do in your sessions to make doing everything else easier is go into your sessions with the focus on regulation, engagement, motivation. And if you're here live, I would love for you guys to comment in the chat about you know, your experience with this. If you've been able to do this successfully, if this has been challenging, why? Feel free to chime in there. But it's just, oh my goodness. I mean, we were talking about one of your kids. I say kids, but. Students, yeah. yeah she's like one of your students. She's like, how old is she? Gosh, she just graduated. Oh, so okay. yeah, 18 or 19 now. But yeah, we have our pillow talk conversations <laughs> about this kind of stuff as we talked about in the past. Our waking hours are conversations at the breakfast table and then at the dinner table. They're about this stuff. But yeah, I had a student um, who uh, has high, she has a lot of language, but every time she would come to sessions, she was very dysregulated for a lot of different reason and reasons. And it's one of those things where if we don't build that found, get to the foundation stuff of regulating and then building engagement and intrinsic motivation, I'm not going to be able to teach the stuff that was written in the IEP. Mm -hmm. So for example, one of the goals was working on perspective taking, right? Le just learning about why people do what they do. Why, what are the neurotypical social norms and just kind of learning about them, not really teaching her to do those things, but just to identify things. But we couldn't even work on that stuff if she came in dysregulated. So it's one of those things where, okay, what can we do to build intrinsic motivation? What can we do to build engagement and how can we get her regulated well her high focus area of interest was disneyland and disney stuff like she loved princesses she i shouldn't say loved she loves princesses and um and disney stuff so it's one of those things where i would say would you like to do a quick activity on my ipad that um is revolved around some disney stuff and we would pull out like the iPad app, Disney's World of Color, which is a coloring app where you can kind of just plug in your little colors of different things, really fun for all ages. Honestly, I like to do it too. <laughs> um, and during that activity, it was building language and conversations of things that could happen, like the perspectives of waiting in line, the perspectives of what a what a concession stand was and what the word concession means. We could build vocabulary and really start to go from, build it from the regulation part to now we've got engagement, which is wanting to build on high focused areas of interest. Now we've got intrinsic motivation because she's like, well, I do want to kind of learn about new words that happened at Disneyland. And I would say, okay, well, here's a couple words. You need to know the word souvenir. <laughs> you need to know. do not teach our children that word by no, no, the way no. that but will haunt us forever <laughs> so you need to know the word souvenir 
and to stay away from that <laughs> shop because it's really expensive. You need to know about concession, like the concession stand. And that's another place where they're going to gouge you with high priced <laughs> um, bread bowls. And then you're going to want to learn the word nauseous <laughs> <laughs> because a lot of those rides, if you uh, don't play Mommy your cards is right, nauseous. yeah, go to California Adventure and get on the top of one of those rides where uh, the haunted horror house that, you know, the, the one that drops on you. <laughs> I don't know if that's still haunted, a thing. Uh, the Tower of Terror. Tower of Terror. Gosh, you, you that was the what one I was that thinking drops of. on you or the one where you pee on yourself? Is that? It does. It's a synonymous. You could do both. <laughs> But um, you, we could really expand. And then we would talk about safety things. But you see what I'm saying is that we have built the foundation to say, hey, we're on this first step of the language staircase. And we've gone up to, um, you know, halfway mm -hmm. through the stairs. Now we're going to get to the top floor. You know, we've held on to that banister because we've built intrinsic motivation. And we really have been able to access the higher level of thinking the higher level vocabulary and transitioning it back into the IEP goals. Right. Um, and so those are some ideas of, of, of how I worked with her and guess who else was intrinsically motivated this dude, because I was like, I didn't know this. There was so much that goes with Disneyland. Like there's like hidden Disney symbols around the park. And then we would explore that. And that is fun. yeah, we would get on Google earth. And we would zoom in and we would look at all of the places around the park and where maybe the employees would go to eat lunch. And, you know, it was just a fun activity. And you know what? That someone wrote, uh, you guys are writing some great stuff here in the chat. And someone wrote that um, it's hard because like here's someone who said it's hard to work on regulation motivation due to extreme levels of screen time that's a good one to think about but that makes me think about with her i think that's a challenge is that when we are coming at seeing our kids from such different philosophies because what she had done previously if i think we you had told me this before was that they would use that like as more of a reward for her right so make her do some kind of activity and then reward her with that but look how well, you were able to build a relationship with her by using that, you know, you didn't have to reward her because she actually enjoyed her time with you. Right. And if she had some type of dependency on screen time or tablets, I could easily <laughs> print an activity so then we can make it where she's coloring in things or drawing things, or it didn't even have to be that I could draw something up on my whiteboard and then that would just facilitate the conversation. So we would stay away from technology. You know, it's that I and IEP, right? It's individualized. Each and every child experiences and has a different, you know, situation that we try to modify and work with. Yeah. Um, and someone else wrote about, you know, data collection, because I think that's another barrier we get to is, I, and I've heard this more times than I could count, where therapists come to me and they're like, well, I would love to do that, but I actually have to collect data. And I'm like... Well, now you can. What's one of those phrases, you know? Like the um where did the infomercial? There's a better way. That there's gotta be a better way. That you, you should be uh, on an infomercial. <laughs> where is what is that name? I'm having so many word finding issues today. Just ask our team. You should have seen me on the meetings. 
Um, but the point is that if we write our goals, which we're going to have to dive into a lot in other episodes, because this is a passion area of yours, but if we write our goals to support that, then we don't have to say data collection is taking a backseat to our therapy. You know, um, that's why one of my favorite goals is for using total communication or multimodal communication, because kids are constantly communicating. You might be doing sensory activities, just like mainly sensory activities, things that are engaging, and they're still going to be communicating with you. So as long as your goal is written that they're communicating with you in a variety of ways, whether that is language, gestures, facial expressions, body movements, even vocalizations, then that gives you a lot of flexibility in how to run your sessions. Yeah. AAC, yeah. Uh, writing it down. Yeah. There's a variety of options. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think it's setting yourself up for success by making sure that your goals are supporting your ability to do that. And if you, I just remembered that I actually have this, if you go to languagestaircase.com, you can get a free download of this graphic that actually explains it probably in way more clear language than I did today. That's a printout that you can give to teachers or parents too. Right. Absolutely. And yeah. then I was just thinking about us living out here in Los Angeles. We're not all too far away from like where the forum was um, a former place of of big events and, and sports. And they built a new stadium across the street, literally uh, about a three minute walk. If that even right, it's the so Sophie stadium. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking that what we're doing is we're going from the forum staircase and we're going to cross the street over to the Sophie uh, staircase, right. Where it's nice and solid. We're, we're building that foundation, making it nice for, for the kids that we work with. That was beautiful. You know, I was thinking about how that. nice. <laughs> so is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up? I want to add that you are all amazing and it is been fantastic that you've been, um, come into these things. And I, we really do hope that you find some value out of these. One of the things that we really uh, hope as well is that if there's like one or two little pieces that you have found to be helpful, that it gets your wheels turning, at least opens dialogue and gets the conversation talking about things that sometimes can be difficult things to talk about because they are, um, they, these ideas haven't always been around, but they're things that we should talk about so we can really provide the best services for the kids, clients, and students we work with. Yep. So next week, we've got a fun announcement, big fun. I don't know what the word to describe it is, but we've got something awesome coming up. We're going to announce that next week. So make sure to come live and we hope you guys have an awesome rest of your day. If you are listening on the podcast, please leave a review and we would really value your feedback. Thanks again and have a legendary rest of your day. Peace. Peace. If you enjoyed today's episode, hit subscribe, write a review, or share it with a friend. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.